Okay, welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. I'm Stuart Anderson. I'm joined by Dr. Chris Heap. And uh, Dr. Chris Heap, I'm going to turn the mic over to him in just a minute. We're going to have a fun interview uh, where we're going to talk about uh, his life and how he is a mentor to so many. But before we do that, I wanted to read a script that was written by a, a team member of his as well as by Greg Anderson when we, he was presented the best doctor to work for uh, two years ago at the Crown Council annual event. Are you ready, Chris? I'm gonna read this script. Yeah, these are always embarrassing to hear. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so his team says of him that he's a man of integrity and lives what he speaks. He strives to find the best in everyone and everything. He equips us to become better individuals, not only in our work and environment, but in our personal lives. He's passionate about life and living it. He has a compassionate heart, which reflects in the charity work that we do. We've traveled to the Dominican Republic to provide dental care for those that are less fortunate. We have financially supported and volunteered at local charities. And each year we designate a family in our practice to bless at Christmas. He creates a happy and fun environment to work in. And we are not just a team, we are a family. Two years ago, he was searching for a new name for his practice, and he involved us in that process. We all agreed on Inspire Dental. The word inspire alone is powerful, and it resonates everything that he stands for. His inspiration not only permeates through us, it also permeates through his patients, his books that he's written, the web videos that he's created, and also his friends and family. He's the real deal. You get what I see. You get what you see. You get the fun, witty, charismatic personality, and you also get the humble spirit. The best doctor to work for, Dr. Chris Heap. So I went to the Dominican uh, with Dr. Heap uh, just recently, and I, I love being with him. He was our team leader, and I thought it would be fun and interesting, as well as very beneficial to the Crown Council to listen to his story, some of the things that he can provide um, to you as a mentor. So. Um, Chris, welcome. I'm grateful you joined me. Thanks. I'm just going to try and live up to the intro. That was yes. phenomenal. That's what I wanted. <laughs> hey, so I want to start off with you telling me a bit about your, your introduction to dentistry, how, how it all began in your first years, um, where it started, and, and kind of your story in this profession. Yeah. So I grew up in Arizona, and uh, I always thought that I was going to uh, go to med school, be an orthopedic surgeon. That's what my dad does. And so I always had that dream that we had practiced together and uh, started college. I was headed along that path, taking all those classes. And then uh, one day, I was well, not one day, it was about two in the morning. I was coming back from a party and I crossed paths with my dad and he was on his way to the emergency room. And I thought, I don't know that I really want that lifestyle of having to get up in the middle of the night and take off. And I started kind of flashing back a little bit to times when he and I were on our way to a basketball game or somewhere fun and his pager would go off and he would, uh, we'd divert over to the emergency room and I'd get to hang out in the doctor's lounge while he uh, took care of the emergency. So I started looking at other uh, opportunities in the medical field. And my dad's, uh, my dad's best friend growing up was Dr. Joe Harris uh, from the Crown Council. And so I'd known him my whole life and his kids. And so I went and talked to Joe and just asked him what he thought about dentistry and if he thought it was, uh, would be a good fit. 
and he had so many glowing things to say about dentistry as a profession. He just said, you know, it's, it's the best profession ever. We're coming into this golden age of dentistry. You've got to do it. And he was just so positive. And I just started uh, thinking about other dentists I knew in my life. And it seemed like they always were able to uh, keep a good balance between work and family and time and didn't have a lot of those things that would pop up where they'd have to kind of leave the family to go take care of some things. And so I thought that kind of fit with some of my goals for life. And so I made the switch and my dad wasn't super happy about it because I think I destroyed his dream of us practicing together. Uh, but later on down the road, he's, he's told me that he thinks it was the best move I ever made. So that's good. We've come to peace with that. Uh, so that's how I got into it. I went to the University of Colorado for dental school. I picked uh, the University of Colorado over a couple others because of the cycling in Colorado. I had opportunities to go to a couple other places, but at the time I was writing for uh, Arizona State cycling team, and that was a big passion of mine. And so I figured if I was going to live somewhere for four years, I wanted it to be what's kind of the mecca of cycling for the United States. And so uh, I made my dental school decision based on the cycling around the uh, the decision. What a, so that's what a mental. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the first takeaway is from that, I don't know. Maybe we can edit something really wise in there <laughs> instead of what I said. Uh, but I uh, had a great time, loved Colorado, made great friends. Uh, came out, uh, was an associate for a year, year and a half at, gosh, probably six or seven different practices, just kind of piecing together a day here, a day there, and trying to find a good fit. And then eventually I bought a, a really small practice uh, in 2006. And immediately set the goals and jumped into business ownership. I think right away, I, and I guess at that point in my life, my vision of what a successful practice was, was a practice that produced a million dollars a year. That was my, my artificial number of this would mean success in dentistry. So if I could get to that. And so uh, I did all the things that new dentists and new business owners do. And we brought in the consultants and we set the goals and we were training and uh, doing all the extra CE, uh, everything we could do. And we, we really chased it hard and uh, we were growing, uh, but you know, for someone ambitious, like uh, the growth is never fast enough, no matter how much it is. And you tend to, you tend to not appreciate the steps of growing and, and all that you're learning as you're growing and you're just kind of chasing and chasing and just never feel like it keeps up. And, uh, and then you obviously, you know, you're comparing yourself to other people in your community or that you see online and you see their practices and you feel like somehow you're falling behind because you don't have what they have, even though they're, you know, 20 years older than you and they've been in the profession longer and you, you haven't seen their struggle, what it took for them to get there. You just feel like you should have it now. And I found that I was starting to get signs of just burning out, like really early on, you know, I'd only been out of school probably six years and I was just feeling like I was headed down a path where I wasn't going to be happy in dentistry and it was it was self-imposed it was me um, you know just setting goals and just making the numbers the most important thing and um, probably imposing that on my staff a little bit and it doesn't make you necessarily a great leader if all you can talk about to your staff is numbers and how we can change the bottom line and how we're going to produce more I and mean, if that's the only conversations you're having with them then they're never going to feel like they matter and uh, and I think that led to me just feeling like something something had to change like i just had to had to change the way i thought about success and life and a career 
And so I made a kind of a mental shift. I would, I don't know if it was an epiphany or what, but I just made the shift that I wasn't going to worry about the numbers. I wasn't going to worry about the, the collection goal and the production goal. I was going to, uh, to some extent, throw that out the window. I'd still have the goals, but we weren't going to talk about them as often. And I know for uh, probably for our tops consultant, that would be blasphemy to to say that I've thrown the numbers out. But and we still tracked numbers. But I realized that the way that it was going to happen for me was that I was going to have to spend my time just really serving people and caring for my people that worked with me, with my team and just really caring for the patients individually. And my hope was that if I could just focus on those things, the whole million dollar goal thing would just happen as it was supposed to happen in the time it was supposed to happen, but I wouldn't be feeling the way I had been feeling. And so uh, we really made that switch. And we, I don't want to say we threw goals out the window, but all of our goals from that point uh, became, you know, how many thank yous can we say today? How many, uh, thank you cards can we send out to people who who could we send flowers to that's had a rough time uh things like that it was just it was goals that were um, about building each other up and we would track um how many thank you notes staff members would send to each other they could put these little like like attaboy slips in this box that we would read at our um at our staff meetings and i would track those i would track we, you know which which staff members were thanking other staff members the most and which ones were stinking each other the least and uh, we had some fun with that, but the idea was to try and just flip this whole thing on its head. And uh, what was funny is we had this January staff meeting a couple of years into that process. And uh, my, uh, we have my one front desk, uh, Lady Liz, who was, she usually does our, our numbers. And, and she's like, and our, you know, our yearly total for the year was 1.26 million. And I just remember having this moment where it's like, holy cow, like I, the million dollar thing was so important to me and then when I gave it up and completely didn't even focus on it like we flew right by it and I didn't even know I hadn't I was so oblivious to that fact and uh, we've just never really looked back since like that was this awesome turning point in the practice and so um, and I think the other major epiphany that followed on that one for me was that um, I was kind of tired of trying to make my practice look like anybody else's practice or be built the same way or function even function the same way as anybody else's um we wanted to do it different we wanted to make it something that was special to all of us that worked there and that's when we had the name change uh, to inspire dental and it really fit a lot of things i do in my my life and what my staff is all about and so we just look for ways to inspire people so the goal is that anybody that comes into our office feels more uplifted than they did before they came in the doors and uh, so that's that's kind of what we live by and that's the name of the practice and that's just made it so much fun you know when i had when i could make the office about us and what we do and who we are it it changed everything for us and so it's just a super fun fun thing to be a part of dude what a good story i mean the way you twisted from where you began to how your practice is like really changing lives what, what did you attribute that decision i mean i know you said burnout but I mean, where did you get the idea uh, of do, of doing it this way? I mean, uh, are you like, uh, were you following somebody? Was there a mentor that you looked to? Or, I mean, how did it work? That's a great question. I don't, um, I don't know other than um, at, at some point along the way, um, 
I become a member of Crown Council. Uh-huh. And that's not just like a, not pandering to my interviewee here, but <laughs> or interviewer, but um, you know, you just get this rich culture uh, where you, you can go to these annual events and hear these speakers uh, that are, uh, you know, a lot of the speakers, I've always been really impressed by how many of the speakers are, they're not teaching us, they're not teaching us dentistry at all, but they are in a, in a different way. They're teaching us the other parts that we don't know about. And they're teaching us a lot of just life skills and how to be good people. And the speakers are just, they're just excellently selected. So I'd have to say being in crown council and just seeing, um, being around practices that, um, where I can see people that were just giving and just doing good things for people all the time. And we also had successful practices. And I've got to think that that was a huge, a huge factor. Very cool. Um, as an outgrowth of that, I know that you practice uh, public speaking and coaching. Um, so, I, which I think is a, an, I don't know uh, anyone. Uh, there's a few crown council doctors who do the same, but not, in the way that you do it. Um, so could you talk first about, about that part of your life, about um, how you entered a, the public speaking and kind of coaching arena? And then I'd love to talk about um, some of your Instagram posts where I see you posting photography and art. Uh, so I guess a two-part question. Tell us about your public speaking and coaching and then kind of transition into um, some of the photography I've seen. I think um, for me, the speaking thing, I think if I were to trace it back, it probably goes, um, I think I was 13 or 14. And I remember watching the movie Dead Poets Society, which is my favorite movie of all time. And it's probably inappropriate for a 13 year old, but um, you know, in the movie, it's a, you know, it's an English teacher and he's teaching these, these students literature, but like powerful literature. And um, watching that movie is when I realized I, I was feeling things it's like he would read these poems and have these thoughts and I was feeling something inside. And I thought, wow, like words have power. And I remember feeling about that. I, I remember having that idea like, wow, words can affect things. And then that same year, I remember giving like a short sermon in our church and I taught about, I think it was just about gratitude or something. But I remember afterwards, there was this older gentleman who came up to me and just said, Hey, there's, there's so many things that you said that I could use to fix this broken relationship with my daughter. And I'm like a 13, 14 year old kid. And I just remember thinking, wow, like this 60 year old man uh, heard something I said and wants to change something in his life. And from that, from that moment, I was just sold that feeling. was just awesome and powerful. And so I was always from that point on, always very into uh, just quotes. I just collected quotes all the time. And I love teaching. Um, I think probably when I'm, some of my happiest moments are in life or when I'm on a stage teaching and, uh, or writing. I have a, a blog um, that has been uh, so fun to have. My, my whole goal with the speaking and the coaching and the writing is just to, you know, in, in my office, I can affect maybe 20, 30, 40 patients a day. If you can put a blog post out there and a lot enough people see it, you could affect hundreds of thousands of people with words that you say. And that just really is appealing to me. And so uh, I started the blog, the blog was got super successful and was fun. I took the blog and then started turning it into books. 
And so now just about every year I'll print a small like mini book that are called just these little books. And then I hand them out for free around our community. Uh, anywhere I speak, I give out these free books. And so I think up to date, I think we've I've given away almost 10,000 of these, these books just out into the floating out into the world, uh, these books and whether they end up in trash cans or not, I have no idea, but every once in a while, someone will come up to me on the street or somewhere and they're like, Oh, I have your little book on happiness. I love that. Can I get five more to give to my kids and their stockings at Christmas? And, and that's just really cool. That's like, that's just really special uh, to me. So uh, I, I love that. And then through that, uh, usually through like those little books or just interacting with people, they find out that I speak and uh, maybe they have a need that they feel like I could talk to or, uh, or something. So it's kind of, it's led into some corporate training, some keynote speeches, um, awesome. but mostly just a, a lot of free stuff. I pretty much everybody has that thing they would do for free because they love it so much. They wouldn't even need to get paid to do it. And for me, that's speaking. I just, it's just an absolute joy for me. So I'm just, uh, just trying to do as much good as I can in the world and so find awesome. a way to do it while I'm doing something I love. Cool. And tell me how that transitions into, into the photos you take. How, how did you get into photography? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't remember how I got into it. It was definitely during um, when I was already a dentist and already had my practice. But I have a good friend that's a wedding photographer, a really, really good one. And I think I saw some stuff he had posted and I thought I should try it. And I remember doing a family photo shoot for someone and I hated it. It was taking pictures of people is the worst thing I can ever imagine. Just, I don't know how to pose people. I don't know. I mean, you just have these expectations to meet uh, that it's like when you're doing that, like that cosmetic veneer case and people know what they want, but they can't, they don't tell you what they want and they never, they have things in their mind, but they never mention it. And no matter how many questions you ask, it's that kind of stress. And it's like doing that for someone's wedding or something. I can't, I can't even imagine. So uh, I decided that I would take pictures of things that don't get mad if I mess up. And uh, so it's, it's all landscape photography. Um, I love the desert around where I live. And so I, I like to uh, photograph that. My favorite thing is to do sunrises. And uh, I was listening to Andy, Andy Andrews once and he had the, the idea that there's more sunsets than there are sunrises. And I thought that's such a strange thing to say, but he's like, everybody sees the sunsets, but not everybody will get up and go experience a sunrise. Nice. And uh, so I've, I've had a lot of joy getting up in the morning and starting my day with a sunrise, right? Like a dawn of a new day and like a new day of adventure and excitement. And uh, so being out there to photograph that and then to be able to share it with others is great. And, uh, I have a, a younger sister who's uh, physically handicapped and she, she can't go out into nature and find these spots and she can't experience that. And I know that there's a lot of people like that in the world. And so if I can share what I'm seeing while I'm out there and help other people experience how beautiful the world is, then I feel like I've done some kind of a small service. Very cool. Uh, and this kind of translates into a, a question that I have, and, and it's for a lot of mentors that come on the, the Crown Council podcast, which is, um, a lot of dentists in Crown Council are overachievers. They're, they've got their hands in church, photography, you know, uh, athletics, business building, you, you name it. it. It's like they'll never say no. And so tell me how you have found a way to balance all of the different interests and things that you're doing 
so you can stay happy. I think you're right. You hit it right on the head when you get into a group of, especially in a medical profession of some kind, it is, it's the fact to, to get into dental school, you have to be an overachiever and have to put in all this effort. And then to be successful in dentistry, you got to put in a lot of, a lot of work. So you get a lot of type A personalities and a lot of people who, um, who need have, it feels a need for them to be the best at whatever thing they're, they're in. And uh, I tell people, Mike, my secret uh, is I just want to be like mediocre at as many things as possible. And that probably sounds kind of self-deprecating, but what I don't want to do is like, I don't want to, I don't want at any point in my life to have people say like, Oh, that's Chris Heap, the dentist. Like if, if everybody just says that's Chris Heap, the dentist, then I feel like I've, I've really limited myself uh. to one area when there's so many cool things uh, about the world that you could experience. And so I, I don't think that everyone needs to be mediocre at everything, but I think we should really take time to experience a lot of things. And you might have those things that you want to be the best at the world at. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, that is, that's phenomenal. But a lot of times there's a cost to that if that's the only focus. And most commonly that cost happens at home, which is really sad. Uh, but a lot of people get to a stage where they've maybe they've reached the top and then what happens then if you've got nothing else nothing else that you've fostered along the way uh, one of my favorite people to learn from mentors is a is actually a franciscan friar his name's richard Rohr, and he has this idea that there's two stages of life you spend the first stage building your house and that's when you're building your career and your family and this you're building this life for yourself but at some point you have to be able to transition to this other stage and the other stage stage two is who lives inside that house and so you can spend that whole you can spend your whole life building houses for yourself and they can get bigger and they can be huge and get to a point where you realize i don't know the person that lives inside these houses i built i've never strengthened that person i've never developed that person um, Yes, I've, on the outside, I've got this great structured life, but I, I just haven't done anything for me. I think that's when a lot of people come into these midlife crises or have these really hard moments in life is they just, they wake up and they're like, man, I got everything I wanted and I worked my butt off for it. And yet I feel like I don't have anything. I feel like I'm empty. And so my goal for my life, and I, this doesn't have to be for anybody but me, but my goal for mine is just to step back and be like, I can be a good dentist. I can be a good dad and I can be a good photographer and a speaker and I can try juggling and I can try all these things and, and look stupid doing it, but I'm experiencing them. And the other thing that's nice is when you can experience that many things, you can have conversations with just about anybody because you've tried so many different, uh, different things. It just makes you, I think it makes you a good human and you only get so many years on earth, right? Like what a gift life is. You only get so many years and you want, do I want to spend all of those on one thing? and miss out on the 99.9999% of the rest of life that's out there. Like, no, I would, I would feel like I, like I just failed myself. That's awesome. That's probably a really long. That's probably a super no, long no. answer for your question. Well, but. It, it just makes me think, and I'm sitting here thinking about all the things that, you know, I am involved with and, and what are they making, helping me to become, you know? Um, I think that sometimes is, you look back at life or you look back at work and you say, well, what was the point of all this? You know, what, what, how did it affect me? And you're right. I think that first part of life is 
well, I'm, I have to do all of these things. I have to get a job. I have to build all these things. And then you look back and you say, well, who cares? Like, what, why did it matter? I mean, hopefully everyone that's listening is thinking the same thing. That's why it's fun to have, you know, you on is, is, um, how, how is what you're saying affecting us or thinking about uh, our own lives? So really good. I, I loved it. Um, what, so recently uh, we watched you and your band uh, at the 25th annual event. Um, if, if you guys, if the listeners don't know, we had a concert at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville as the kickoff to the annual event. It was Thursday night. And uh, on the band, uh, on the stage, you know, uh, just to name a Dolly Parton finished the session for us, but the opening band was Chris Heap and his and his band of, his band of musicians. Um, tell us about it. What what happened in this experience uh, uh, at the twenty fifth annual event? Uh, you know, to say to say it was a dream come true is like not even uh, it doesn't even fit because you don't when you're like a small family bluegrass band from Arizona where nobody cares about bluegrass music you don't even dream of playing the Ryman which is I mean that's the Carnegie Hall of that type of music I and mean, it's just it's so far-fetched that you wouldn't even dream you there's just no way there's just no way it could ever happen uh, because like I mean three weeks before that we played at a trailer park a couple miles from my house like it's 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 just ridiculous but um the way that panned out was was cool and there's so many lessons from it but um a year ago when they had announced that the next annual event the 25th would be in nashville um, i had been going enough the, actually the first annual event i went to was in nashville right. and uh so i i assumed there would be a chance that there would be a uh a concert again, possibly at, at the Ryman. And uh, so I did something I never, I never do, which I never want to inconvenience anybody in life. And that, that really makes me miss out on a lot of opportunities because I don't, I don't ask for things pretty much ever. Um, but I put some faith out there and I'm like, I'm just going to email Greg and just say, Hey, I know this is crazy. But if there's a show and if you happen to be needing to fill a slot, I've got this band that we, my family band, we've been playing together for my whole life. Um, we'd be, I would, we would all, we'd pair our own way. We'll fly out there, anything just to like play one song. And it was like that day, he's like, I'm talking to Steve tomorrow. We'll, we'll figure it out. This could be cool. And I got an email the next day. They're like, yeah, we want you. Yes. And, and which is crazy. For anyone putting together a concert, I should tell you that you should probably hear the band before you agree <laughs> to put them on the biggest stage in the music. Um, so like completely like, I don't know what the sound version of Sight Unseen, but Sound Unheard, um, Greg put us on the list and, uh, and it just seemed so unreal. I told the band they were freaking out. And, uh, but that was still like 10 months from the, when it was gonna happen. So every month from then on, I would send Greg an email just saying, say on that night when we play, on we that, you know, I just, <laughs> I just want to put it out there. Like, don't forget us that we're doing this thing. Um, but uh, I mean, what a, I mean, that's an opportunity that could only come from great people. Um, 
I know that I know that one of the the I know Greg has told me one of his missions with Crown Council is to just help people's dreams come true, and mm-hmm. um, and he did that he did that for us. So we um, the band flew out. I mean, that was it was phenomenal. Um, we got to, we played out front a little bit. That was cool. Uh, we started meeting all these friends backstage, which was which was just awesome. And um, right after we played, and everybody that was there were so cool to us. We were obviously like the lowest on the totem pole band on there, but they put our name on the poster, which was cool of all the bands playing. Like we have this Ryman poster with our name on it under Dolly Parton. Um, but everybody that was in the crowd was just phenomenal and singing along and cheering. And it was it was magical it was everything i could have ever hoped uh, afterwards they ushered us in uh, right into dolly's dressing room and we got to hang out with her and she was nicer than you could have ever expected like you always hear the stories of how just genuine she is and you could feel it when she's on stage and she could just draw everybody in with just her being yeah. um she's nicer than that even huh. and uh, we got back there and she'd been signing autographs and taking pictures with a lot of these ryman vips for probably an hour and a half before we got in there and um we got in there and you thought you think we were the first ones that she'd met that day she gave us all her energy she gave us all the time um i told you mentioned my sister's handicapped she helped my sister get out of her wheelchair so she could be standing up in the picture with her and my sister was kind of wobbly so she put her arm around her and just said hey darling we all need a little help getting going and she was just cool i mean she was unbelievable and then every and colin ray was the same lone star all they were just they were phenomenal people. And I realized like, that's why they're at the top of what they do is because they're not just musicians. I mean, everybody in Nashville in every bar is a musician and they're all incredible. But these ones are at the top because they're genuine people who cared about everybody around them. And when one of them would go out on stage to perform, all the other ones would come into the wings and just be silent and just watch him and take it in. Um, And so I, I took some lessons from that for my own practice and my own life. You know, it's, there's a lot, everybody, there's dentistry is a huge field and there's great, great dentists. Um, but the ones that I want to be is the one that can take time and give all my energy to every patient or every person or every young dentist that really, I don't benefit at all from helping that person, but I can, I can help lift them. And so that's my, uh, that's what I learned from Dolly. It was just give, give, give all your energy, right. Give, give all your time. And, um, I mean, she, she made an impact on, on my whole family and, um, it was cool. That, that, I can't even thank you guys enough for that, that yeah. opportunity. And um, yeah, it's just, it, the band is still, can't believe it happened. Hey, well, I got a band t-shirt out of it. So it was awesome. You did get a band t-shirt. It has all of our uh, world tour dates oh, and uh, locations church, on it. Church, church stage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had the church Halloween party and we had uh, the, the band shell over on main street and university uh-huh. over there. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about about your comments is I, I actually believe that maybe for a time, you know, people that want that goal, you know, of connecting with others, that they have, they do have to maybe consciously think about it for a while. But when you meet a person like Dolly Parton or Garth Brooks, it is not, they are not forcing that part of who they are in any way. It is a genuine desire to connect and be with the people around them and it is there's no way dolly was standing back there thinking to herself oh here's another i gotta 
I got to be good for them. I got to put on my show face. I mean, that is just who she has become in her, in in who she, and I just love that part of, of being around people like that. It's just, it's the best. So cool. So cool. You had that experience. I didn't get to meet her. So that's rad. Good for you. (laughs) The other one that was fun backstage was, uh, well, John Acuff was back there the whole time. And he's his uh the Acuff family is a huge name in country music. So he's he and I are we're both backstage just geeking out together. Like, can you believe we're here? Can you believe we're doing the rhyming? Like we were just we're the biggest nerds. He and I like every like we just trying to inch our way forward and get closer to the stage and get better views. And nice. uh, we're back there. He's taking pictures of his little award right next to Dolly's little award. And <laughs> it was just it was awesome. Nice. And uh, the, my only regret from the whole night is that I spent. I spent probably an hour and a half back there with John and uh, he's in this public speaking world. He's one of the guys that I wanted to be like always. And I had him right there and we're talking and we talked everything and I was too nervous and too scared to ask him advice about public speaking. Uh-huh. And uh, I just felt like, I, you know, like I shouldn't do that. I felt like I was, I'd be too much of a fanboy or something. And uh, huge missed opportunity, like huge missed opportunity. Uh, so I, I did reach out to him by email uh, later and we, we connected. Nice. Uh, so I've redeemed myself a little bit, but <laughs> I, uh, in that moment, I didn't practice what I preach. You know, I let an awesome opportunity go by and he's another genuine guy who would have spent the whole time giving me pointers on how to be better and how to grow and, and do what I love. So Very cool. another, some lessons we learn because we do well and some lessons we learn because we That's don't true. do so well. We got to repent and figure it out. Yeah. Um, so we went on a humanitarian trip um, in November together. And part of that humanitarian trip through Crown Council is your participation in Smiles for Life. You guys are a huge participant in, in every year the, the charity program. Um, tell us about, about Smiles for Life in your office. Tell us about these humanitarian trips that are, are a part of what you do and a part of your team. Yeah, we, uh, we sure love Smiles for Life. And I think if I could pick a top three uh, culture building item for our office, it's, it's Smiles for Life. And not just offering whitening to people, but putting up the pictures of the trips we've been on, talking about it with everybody. Uh, we're at the point now where all of our patients know that we do that. And they're, the question I hear most in our office is, when's your next trip? When's your next trip? Like they are they're on board, they're rooting for us to go help these people. Uh, I mean, that's part of, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge part of who we are I mean, every, every day. Uh, we're in the middle of doing a, like an office redesign now. And the, the one thing I told the designer is like, I'm, I'm not taking down all the pictures of our Smiles for Life trips. We gotta find a way to work those into the design because that's, that's a hugely important thing for our, for our patients and for us. Uh, the trips are phenomenal and if there's, offices out there that have been donating and uh, to smiles for life and you haven't been on a trip or you haven't sent someone from your team on a trip, the second you send them, they are, they're lifers. I mean, they are sold um, on, they want to go back. They want to tell everybody about it. They want to, I mean, they, they will be your biggest advocates. Um, it's one thing to donate to a charity, but when you go and you're in the charity and you're actually seeing what that is doing and meeting these people, that's affecting, it changes you. I mean, you can't go and not be totally changed and uh, for the better. And uh, every time we go, it's new experiences that I, 
I'd never had before. And, uh, and maybe my other favorite thing, I mean, this is kind of aside from the charity part, but just the people you meet, the, the other people in the Crown Council that are on these trips, um, they're just the best people in the world. I mean, the best people you would ever want to be around and work with. And um, they're from all parts of the country. And so you just, you're learning all this stuff. And then you have this instant group of friends that you've shared this awesome experience with. So you're bonded on a level that's kind of deeper than just someone you might uh, meet uh, elsewhere in, in society. And then every time you go to an annual event, you, you run into them and it's just like hug fest. I mean, you're just hugging people. You're asking about their families and their kids. And um, it's just, it's a phenomenal organization uh, for what it does and for who, what, what it helps people become and for how it builds the culture. And uh, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, would, I would retire from dentistry and just work for Esperanza or Smiles for Life. Uh, for, I mean, it's just, I just have this great love for it, for what it's done. And I, I, every time we've gone, I try and take one of my kids uh, because I want them to experience just how happy these people are in what we would consider total poverty. Like we would assume we would all be totally depressed and you get down there and these kids are just awesome and they're having fun and they're smiling and laughing and they just accept my kids. I mean, just point blank. And some of my favorite moments, you just this last trip, I, my son, Evan, he's nine and uh, he's over on this jungle gym with these two other kids while we're eating lunch and they're just hanging out. They're probably over there like 20 minutes and my son doesn't speak Spanish and these guys don't speak English. And he comes back and I'm like, Hey, so what are you guys doing over there? And he's like, Oh, they're telling me about how they like to chase these butterflies over in this field. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that makes no sense. Is that kids have this amazing language that's just like fun and play. And, uh, you know, we take these red rubber balls with us. And if you get an American kid and a Dominican kid and you give them a ball, they will invent the craziest games, like the most complicated games, and they don't speak the same language. And what kind of, I mean, there's, there's an amazing lesson to learn there. If they can figure out how to work together and have fun, why can't team members figure out how to work together and have fun speaking the same language and coming from a similar background? And it's just such a cool lesson uh, to see. And so uh, I always take my, my kids and my, my team members uh, that go just come back on fire. It's so fun. Great point. I mean, it's fun to go and uh, it's even more fun. I agree. I mean, the people that I have been with, there's just something, you don't get that a lot in life where you're with a person, even a family. I mean, it's to go and be in those experiences with people uh, is just the best, especially for connecting and, and gathering together. So very cool. So what's next? You got uh, what, what's, what's coming, what's coming in the world of Chris Heath? Oh, that's a great question. I think, um, I owe it to myself to spend a little more time developing the public speaking because I know how happy that makes me when I'm doing it. And I think I've, I've hidden behind not having enough time for too long mm -hmm. and just say, you know, if I, when I have more time, I'll develop that further. And, uh, I'm just kind of sick of doing that. You know, if we, it's not that we don't have time, it's we don't make time for what we want to do because I've got, I've got the same amount of time as John Acuff has and he's doing what one thing that I would love to do. And maybe secretly he wants to be a dentist and he hasn't made time for, it. I don't know, but, um, 
we, I think we hide behind time too much. And I think if we had a video camera that could follow us around all day and just track the time that we waste on um, things that are, you know, inconsequential or don't provide any happiness to us or, or don't move us forward, uh, I think we'd be surprised how much time we actually have. And uh, it doesn't take much. You know, I, I, I'm really trying to teach people right now that life's about forward progress, just constant forward progress. And it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, yards at a time. You know, what's the quote? Yard by yard, life is hard, but inch by inch, life's a cinch. You know, and if there's, I try and tell people, if there's two things you can do every day um, that will make you happy and feel uh, confident and successful, it's number one, learn something new. If it's just a, a fact about whether it's dentistry or history or art or whatever it might be, you know, learn something new every day and then find somebody that you can serve every day. And I think if you can serve someone every day and if you can learn something every day, you're always going to feel like you're making progress and you're always going to feel like you're moving forward. And all of a sudden one day you look back and you've got these rich relationships with people because you've made it a goal to compliment them and serve them every day. But also you realize all these things that you've learned and you've just, you've just improved as life was going on. And so you don't have to sit down and take a master's course in something and try and be the best at it the mm -hmm. next day. Just learn something, do, do something, do anything to move yourself forward every single day. Nice. I usually, that usually encompasses me being on YouTube, searching for how to do something that I don't know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Especially like uh, fixing things around my house. Uh -huh. If there was no YouTube, I'd be in trouble. That's, That's great. Great advice, Chris. Um, well, I, I think this is a, a good, a good stopping place. And for me uh, to express my gratitude to you as a friend is also a, a, a great example and mentor in Crown Council, especially to the young dentists. Um, you know, everybody that, that looks to you and um, as, a, as a leader, especially on those Dominican trips and as, you know, what we would hope as the best doctor to work for as an example to others. So I'm just, I'm grateful for you and your involvement and engagement in all that we do. So thank you. I, I, I owe so much to you guys. It's just the culture you've created in the Crown Council and just letting me be a part of it and uh, just the opportunities, the opportunities to meet some of the best people in the world. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. You guys have done a great job. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you being on. Take care, man. Yeah. All right. Have a great one. <laughs>